Hi, Recode Decode listeners. We've got a bonus episode for you today. It's an interview I did at the 2017 Code Conference. If you like this one, then good news. We have a lot more of them over at Recode Replay. That's one of our other podcasts, and just like this show, it's all free. Here's an interview with Cecile Richards, the president of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. So this is a, someone I've wanted to bring on also a long time. It's, it's a very controversial issue. It, this organization has been in the news a lot lately. And we are going to talk about tech issues around this. I know it seems unusual, but there's some really interesting things going on in medicine and other areas. And so I thought it would be really interesting to bring on probably one of the more controversial nonprofits in our country right now for all kinds of reasons. And this woman is amazing uh, and will be able to sort of give us some interesting insights into what's going on in Washington and also around the country around healthcare. Cecile Richards uh, from Planned Parenthood. Thank you. Good. Oh, so good to have you here. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, I know it is great. To, we were just talking about, she's like, it's great to get out of the hellscape that is Washington. I, hellscape is my expression, right? Um, but you've had a, a tough year um, at Planned Parenthood. Why don't you give us an update of where you, where things are? Um, because Planned Parenthood has sort of become a, 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 just in the middle of every controversy around the Trump administration and also people who support Planned Parenthood. Right. Well, I, so it's true we've been, I mean, it's been a tough few months since the election, for sure. But I try to remind people that we actually, we started 100 years ago, just celebrated our 100th anniversary, which is pretty amazing. Um, and a lot of things have happened uh, that have changed women's opportunities as a result. But we were born in controversy. I mean, you know, we were founded before birth control was even legal, and our founder was thrown in jail where she promptly taught all of her fellow inmates about birth control. So I feel like that we've always been in this sort of disruptive <laughs> space. Um, but yes, it's been a very tough time since the election. Um, you know, certainly the first four plus months of this administration, not just not just to sort of put both barrels at Planned Parenthood, but I think all of women's health care and rights, mm -hmm. and certainly the bill that's before, um, well, the bill that passed the House of Representatives, and now as a group of men are now. Uh, trying to plot our future in the United States Senate as well. Uh, it is a very scary time, particularly for the millions of folks who come to us every year for health care services. Um, right. So where are we just at play right Like, where's now? that? Where's that? Been, I know. It's impossible to, like, the defunding plot. of... And I want you to explain, because yeah. it's not quite defunding. It's not quite defunding, okay, yes. Okay, so explain that part and then where... Because it's been on the table for years. This has been yes. one of the things. Yes. I mean, and, and, I mean... I mean, one of the things we just have to recognize is that the architect of trying to defund Planned Parenthood is then Congressman Mike Pence, mm -hmm. now Vice President Mike Pence. So, I mean, he's, this has his, been his, um, his focus. So we are not in the federal budget. Mm -hmm. So just to dispel any idea that we somehow, there's a publisher's clearinghouse check that we get every year to um, provide health care, we actually work just like every other health care provider in the public health care space. We get reimbursed for services. And so about 1.6 million patients come to us mm -hmm. who are on Medicaid and depend on us for preventive health care. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the other things, it's, so actually the legislation uh, doesn't cut us out of the budget. It basically says if you um, want to get birth control, STI testing or treatment, uh, preventive health care, cancer screenings, you cannot go to Planned Parenthood, which of course is somewhat ironic since the whole idea of this Republican bill is that everyone gets choice 
unless you're a woman and you want to go to Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really what we're fighting right now um, because half of our health centers are in medically underserved communities, mm -hmm. places where, I mean, I was just back in Paul Ryan's own district, which maybe we could talk about, where we have three health centers that are totally at risk mm -hmm. and where uh, we only provide preventive health services. Mm -hmm. um, and one other thing, Kara, I should just get out uh, in case, because I think there is a lot of confusion, even though we try to talk about it all the time, is abortion services, which uh, are about 3% of our services, are not paid for by federal funds. There are, there are no federal funds that go to um, provide abortion services. So actually, what uh, Congress and what the White House is trying to block women to coming to us for are the things that actually help prevent both unintended pregnancy and disease. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the great ironies, I think, so, of this. So 97% of your budget, you get reimbursed. It's not defunding, it's... Right, it's reimbursed. Not, you will not be able to be reimbursed for the services you provide. Right. And I mean, we've seen what happens in... Uh, I mean, we just actually saw, we had to close four health centers in Iowa. And this is like small town Iowa, mm -hmm. where women don't have other options. And that's the real danger. Um, my home state of Texas, where the legislature has been sort of hell-bent on trying to end all kinds of women's access to health care. We've now seen a doubling of the maternal mortality rate in the state of Texas and in the 21st century. That's just unacceptable. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, again, I don't think it's, it's not simply the impact on Planned Parenthood. The impact is actually on the folks we serve. Uh, again, for many of them, we're the only health care they get. But the linkage is made between the abortion services you provide, which are not funded, and the stuff that gets reimbursed. Yes, but I, I think it's important for any of you who've been following what's happening this week. Actually, the White House now has an initiative to try to um, sort of overturn, essentially, the birth control benefit. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about access to safe and legal abortion. It's about access to family planning, which is mm -hmm. actually hugely popular mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, probably... When most people in this audience, um, folks, folks use birth control, and it's mm -hmm. really effective. And in fact, today, this, you know, this year, we are at the lowest rate of teenage pregnancy in the entire history of the United States. And that's, to me, something to celebrate and something we should focus on doing more of, not ending access to health care. So where, where are you in the game? And then we'll, I'm going to get to bigger issues around uh, health care and its delivery and how it's going to be delivered in the future. But where are we in the game right now with, you, you, with Planned Parenthood? You're, this bill is moving through... Well, so a bill passed the House, but I think, as folks know, it, it was jammed through the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. I, think that, I think it currently has about 13% support mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. So those are clearly folks who don't know what's in it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they only got it through by no, you know, no open hearings, no nothing, just mm -hmm. jamming it through, passed mm -hmm. by four votes. Now, uh, and the CBO score, the Congressional Budget Office score that came out last week said 23 million people would lose their health insurance. I mean, a lot of problems with the bill. So I don't know what they're cooking up in the Senate. Mm -hmm. There have been no hearings. There have been no open process. As we all know, they have a group of folks who are supposedly writing this bill. There are no women um, as part of that process, mm -hmm. which you would think would be a concern. Uh, so it's hard to say. I think, though, they are they are going to try to do the same thing they did in House, which is recognizing that it's hugely unpopular, jam it through sort of at the last minute, mm -hmm. and hope they can sort of uh, avoid the fallout that'll happen mm -hmm. before the 2018 elections. Okay. So in that so bill... So call your senator. Okay. That's right. more than that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. in that bill, what happens to you? What... It means that Specifically. literally the day President Trump signs that bill, mm -hmm. folks on Medicaid can't come to us anymore for health care. Okay. And... That's, uh, I mean, it will be a huge disruption, 
um, to particularly women who uh, don't have a lot of options for health care and who rely on us for preventive health services. So we're going to see. They can't come for family planning. They can't come for no. their kids being looked at. They can't come no. for anything. None of that. And we will see the unintended pregnancy rate go up, absolutely. And I predict we will see the abortion rate go up in the mm -hmm. U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I mean, <laughs> this is being voted on by folks who have never worried about getting pregnant, basically, mm -hmm. and who have never known what it means to try to figure out, can you make the rent or buy school supplies or pay for your birth control? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that's just completely crazy making. Mm -hmm. So um, the first year this birth control benefit that the, that the White House is now trying to undermine mm -hmm. went into effect. Women saved $1.4 billion on birth control pills. Mm -hmm. and. That you were providing. Uh, well, that wh wherever they went. Yeah. This wasn't just a Planned Parenthood thing. I mean, it's something we really fought for. Mm -hmm. it, it's just been hugely successful. And the truth is, for women, this is a real economic issue. And that's what the, you know, when I go around now to Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin and these states where folks are going to lose care, women are panicked. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, the, the week after the election, we had a 900% increase in women trying to get into Planned Parenthood to get an IUD. Mm -hmm. Immediately, so just in case it was taken away. Yeah and to last the entirety of the Trump administration, basically. Right, right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so happen. just to, I mean, to put it, for those of you who don't, uh, who have never had to like explore various birth control methods, I mean, an IUD can cost, I don't know, $2,000, depends on where mm -hmm. you go, mm -hmm. but it lasts for many years. So it's a very effective, uh, mm -hmm. and it's much better than having to get up every morning and remember to take a pill, mm -hmm. uh, but it would now become absolutely out of reach for Most millions of women. women. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happens that day? What do you do? What are you preparing for? Because are you assuming that's exactly what's going to happen, that you will be, and I'm not going to use defund it because it really is inaccurate. You not that's right. It's back. not. Yeah. I mean, where they block folks from coming to us yeah. for care. I mean, or you can't give them care. Right. Right. You can't pay for it. That's right. right. That's right. So what, and already, again, I mean, I think folks know who, who work in the healthcare field that if you're on Medicaid, it's not like you have a lot of options for right. where you're going to go to for care. And one of the things that is just incredibly distressing is, uh, you know, there are women and many of them who are now telling their stories at town hall meetings and mm -hmm. writing to Congress and calling their, their senators. You know, if you find a lump in your breast mm -hmm. and you need to go in to get an exam, mm -hmm. and for a lot of folks on Medicaid, that can mean waiting. That can say, well, we can take you, but it won't be for a month. I'm sorry. If you have a lump in your breast, you need to go and see somebody immediately. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're able to do at Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. And there are scores of women across the country who will say they're alive today because Planned Parenthood was there for them immediately. immediately. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, that's what I think the real heartless thing about this bill. So clearly we will do whatever we can to prevent it. And we're doing that every single day. And actually the most recent, uh, I think, numbers from one of the most popular apps to call Congress is that 86% of the calls that are going into Congress mm -hmm. about this bill are coming from women. Mm -hmm. So Menfolk, we could use your help uh, on this here in the next. I like that um, you use the term menfolk. Yeah, I love menfolk. I just think they're they're great. Um, they're our patients, and um, that's right. You do serve I, men and children, and and other we do serve men, and we actually about um, it's the fastest growing population. So a lot of young men come to us for mm -hmm. STI testing and treatment because mm -hmm. I think if you need a place to go where you're not going to be judged and you're not going to have a lot of questions and you can actually get honest information, Planned Parenthood is it. Um, we also do, um, I was actually in San Diego the other day at our health center, and I was in the waiting room, and it's full of men, and the TV, which is usually on the soaps or Wendy Williams or something, uh, actually was tuned to ESPN. I was like, what's going on? Well, it was vasectomy day in, actually in San Diego, and um, 
but I learned something funny last That's night. That's a fun day. It's a big day. Yeah. And there's a lot of camaraderie, yeah. a lot of like, you could do, it's, you know, yeah, yeah. we can do this. Um, right. <laughs> uh, although if anyone here is thinking about this, I was um, with a friend in San Francisco uh, a couple of nights ago, and he said, you know, I, I was scheduling my appointment for a vasectomy at Planned Parenthood, and they said, well, we can see you in February, or we can see you in April, but we can't see you in March. Mm-hmm. He said, well, why can't, why can't you see me in March? He said, well, that's March Madness, and we're full up because everyone is getting their vasectomy in March, so they can go sit home and watch the, watch the games on TV, so... <laughs> Well, so don't you. go in March. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Thank you for that important information. I, listen, I, it was yeah. news to me. I thought it yeah. was, it's the same reason that, that like the day after Valentine's, we have a huge rush for emergency contraception and other okay. things. So okay. right. we try to follow the market. Good um, to know. There should yeah. be a whole website of fun plan parent. Just be more fun and make I, it. Believe won't. me. No, we are. I mean, and look, one thing is like we talk about sex and right. people are interested in that. Yeah. And so we have a, um, we don't have to develop a market. Right, um, right. Yeah. For, for people interested in your sex. Yeah. So we're going to get into actually okay, technology. So, uh, we are, so that's okay. I love all I your sex. I love okay, so many sex jokes. Yeah. You can tell them the entire rest okay. of the interview. Okay. Um, but but so you will be defunded. What do you do? What is what do you need then? You have to then why not just yeah. not deal with it at all and just raise the money and just provide the services and be done with it? Because you will be in a constant struggle the same way, uh, say NPR or. Right. Uh, public broadcasting or anything like well, that. Well, I mean, we'll like- continue to exist because a lot of our patients, they may not be insured. And frankly, if, if the president's budget and this new bill goes through, there's going to be millions of people who aren't insured mm-hmm. uh, who will come to Planned Parenthood. But we'll definitely continue to fight for this to be a public benefit. Because mm-hmm. I think that, and actually it's something that uh, Lorreen said last night, I think is really important, is that we, yes, we are. We have a lot of generous donors. We have tons of young people that have mm-hmm. joined Planned Parenthood. I think we now have five times the number of monthly right. donors who are sending their twenty-five dollars a month or whatever, which is really exciting. They can't replace a whole public healthcare system that now serves two and a half million people. Mm-hmm. And so, even as we work to um, scale our services, think, and we are already doing this, thinking strategically about how we would provide care to folks who need it. We will continue to fight to make sure that this is a benefit that people have. A public benefit. A public benefit. Because, and I was trying to think about like, like this audience, obviously I'm sort of, I know an outlier here in the sense of, you know, I work on public health issues, but, uh, and I know that Silicon Valley and the tech industry has been working really hard to find how do women participate in, in every level. And the single biggest reason women can now participate in our economy is because they can plan their families. Mm-hmm. And so this is, again, I would just invite folks that are here. We've had such extraordinary support. Um, there's a big David Karp with Tech Stands with Planned Parenthood. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl Sandberg, who's been such a great advocate. But uh, these are your employees. These are uh, your future um, executives. And uh, you know, look at what happened back in the olden days before birth control was actually available for women we've now tripled the number of women in the workforce. We're more than half you know, the workforce. We are um, 10 times the number of attorneys. Every single advance that women have made in being able to participate in our economy has happened since they had the ability to, control, to plan their families. Plan their families. Yeah, so it's a so good thing. Let's talk about the tech implications of it. Just so you know, how much of your budget is public? Just so people are aware. Of what- so for our centers, yeah. um, about half their budget, so it's about $500 million, is reimbursed for, you know, millions of healthcare services. Okay, so $500 million, you have to make up the difference. Yes, or find other ways to to serve people. And I mean, again, and that's, maybe that's where you're going, I think that 
we have been traditionally, I mean, for 100 years, we, uh, we have been a bricks and mortar right. healthcare delivery system. And right. with great partnership from a lot of um, folks in the, the tech world, we have increased our ability to serve people in other ways mm -hmm. without having to walk into a health center. So I think that we just continue to put that on, on you know, um, exponentially increase that investment. So talk about that, the investment, because one of the, you know, a lot of people say, is there a, uh, is there a, a moonshot for not all kinds of healthcare services? Is right. there, is there a way to, do you think about tech a lot? Because nonprofits aren't known for that. And you are a bricks and mortar. There's certain things yeah. you can't, certain things you, you got to do digitally. Give a vasectomy. Do, That's give right. a vasectomy. Maybe not someday. Yet. Not yet. Um, that would be a moonshot. Okay. All yeah. right. So, what do you um, think about when you think about technology? Because what, on one side, yeah. social media amplifies your message. Yes. On the other hand, it amplifies the messages of your opponents. Yes. Yeah. So there's that element of it because Planned Parenthood, like a lot of things, becomes a cartoon. Or, you know Correct. what I mean? Like yes. Villain and there's a lot or of hero. Fake news. I think we were the one of the original fake news targets. Um, mm -hmm. Well, so 10 years ago when I came to Planned Parenthood, it just, that was when um, a lot of stuff was popping and it just was, I, I believe that sort of the mission of Planned Parenthood to be this disruptive force that takes away barriers to information and care mm -hmm. and the interwebs was just like a perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. And so, and of course now, even though we see two and a half million patients in our health centers, we see millions more online. Mm -hmm. And so we're always looking for ways to again, sort of like close that, that gap. Mm -hmm. And of course, since most of our patients are young people mm -hmm. and they now, of course, they're digitally native, they are thinking, you know, everything has changed. Uh, it's been exciting to look at not only how do we do things like something we did the other day, you know, one of our first um, online birth control uh, patients lived uh, on a glacier uh, in the Arctic Circle. And mm -hmm. so we were able to uh, do a video conference in, with a clinician in Seattle and then a float plane dropped her birth control uh, mm -hmm. five days later. You just got to work with Amazon Prime. I'm telling you. I mean, no, believe me. Drones dropping birth control. I think there's a lot of opportunities here. And Drones dropping birth control. Condoms. Okay, I like it. I like it. Not yeah. just condoms. But, I mean, you know Other I mean. methods. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. Um, they're better methods than okay. condoms. Right. But we ever should use condoms. That's okay. important. Um, no, and I think that... I'm sorry. I'm not good on birth control. I don't need to be. But go ahead. Move along. We'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have a little... It's okay. I'm way past afterwards. that. Way yeah, yeah. Okay, that. okay. Um, but someone in your world will be. Yes, very soon. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that the. Um, yeah. Uh, no. Poor Louie. He's going to get a lecture, but go ahead. Hey, I'll talk about my son Daniel. We'll get it all. We'll, we'll have okay. it yeah, right. okay. even. But I, no, I think the other exciting thing is so, I don't know, for those of you who are um, not thinking every day about whether you could get pregnant or whether you just did something that you know, might have be, been a mistake. You can put yourself back there, and it's not that different for young people mm -hmm. today. Is, I mean, we now text and chat with thousands of young people every mm -hmm. month, mm -hmm. and the questions are exactly like the questions were when I was in high school, which right. is, oh my God, I think I might be pregnant, or um, if I did this, could I be pregnant? Mm -hmm. The answer, of course, is usually yes. Mm -hmm. um, and even now, it's really interesting with the growth of uh, just uh, uh, the text um, conversations we have. It's sort of like, do you think I'm normal? And then sometimes attaching a photograph um, uh -huh. that, you know, variety of types. And so I think <laughs> that, which is, uh, this is an area to me that we can completely radically change things. So for example, a young woman texted the other night. She said, I'm, she was a young teenager. So she said, I'm, uh, I'm a teenager. I'm scared, I can't talk to my parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, we texted back and forth. And basically the first thing you have to do with a teenager is say like, 
we're so glad you reached out. We can mm -hmm. help you. And we went back and forth. And the truth is, she was in a very tough situation, but we were able to make her an appointment with a doctor. Um, again, all, all through text, so that she didn't ever have to pick up the phone. And we made the appointment for the next day, and then she texted, and we, then we texted, as we do at the end of the, any interaction, say, are you okay? You've got what you need. And she texted back, just like a young teenager would do, you know, you, know, you have been a lifesaver with a little smiley face. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I've got everything I need. But then she texted back about a minute later and said, but will you still be there later tonight if I need you? I see. Interesting. So you were able to be in constant contact. Yes. So using to, so, and that's, so there's text is like that one way over. you do it. Drones, yeah. dropping drones. Yeah, dropping the birth control. What yeah. else? What else from a technical, like in changing healthcare? Because one of the things that Mark Andreessen was talking about is healthcare is, is a slow moving change. It is agent. a very slow moving change agent. Yeah. And look, I think, um, well. And tech hasn't impacted healthcare the way it, it does. Is. Although, I mean, it's interesting, as I know, there's so many efforts to, to the complexity of the reasons that folks have healthcare issues are not just, there isn't just a tech fix, right? Mm -hmm. It is a, an accessibility, it's an information fix. So I think that as we think about, for example, reducing teen pregnancy, I think we could, we could make teen pregnancy almost an issue of the past, but when you look at the young women who are still struggling to avoid getting pregnant when they're, uh, when they're a teenager and, and don't want to be pregnant, it is, it's, it's geography, it's race, it's income, it's a whole lot of factors. Mm -hmm. um, it's access, and so I think where we can use technology, we also have to address the many, many factors that prevent folks from getting equal access to healthcare. So what, and you're using text, you use other, do you use social, social media, a lot. everything? Yes, All the do. things to try to reach people. What would be the perfect thing you would need, you know, as you're moving forward, besides apps and informational stuff yeah. and? Well, I mean, Apps are, are good, and actually we just launched this um, period tracker, uh, which has really been fantastic for young women um, you know, to be able to like, track their period and also then use it as a way of like, introducing them to how birth control works and what they might mm -hmm. want to do. So I, I don't want to discount that. I think that's really important. And also making sure that we're reaching the audience that most needs that, that right. access. Younger so, people, yeah. right. um, Via and, and younger people who have the least access to care. So I think that's a really, that's a, uh, a really important thing. Um, I think that one of the things that I'm, I think has probably been a theme of this conference is how do you get actually good information to people? So the problem with non-factual information or misinformation, it isn't just about the things that happen that I think create fake news about Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. It's like fake news about all of these issues. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of bad information out there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really interested in what the tech community is, how we're thinking about at least being more directional about sources of information that are actually good. Story, the stories that are accurate. Yeah. The stories yes, that are accurate. exactly. What's the fakest information about Planned Parenthood out there? Like, give me an example. Uh, oh, I can't even, like, where do I start? Um, I mean, there is, I think one is just, um, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to say a really positive one. This is one of the things that, it's interesting, and, and usually this happens at conferences like this, is like, oh my God, it must be so bad. And like, the truth is, 80% of the American people support federal funding for the services we provide. Mm -hmm. That's the most misinformation, is that somehow, you know, we're on the ropes, you know, people... You know, when one in five women in the country have been to you for health care, and now a lot of men coming to us for vasectomies and other things, mm -hmm. uh, we're actually, for most people in this country, we are a, an affordable, accessible place to get um, high-quality so care. the noise of social media. Completely. And, and it's, it's, so it's really fascinating. And in fact, um, we just, I just did, we did some focus groups with uh, Trump voters mm -hmm. who are Planned Parenthood patients. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how could he possibly get rid of 
our access to you know, our annual exam that we do at Planned Parenthood, our family planning. And so I just think that, again, this is a problem with Washington. I think they are completely, you know, the vast majority of people in this country support Planned Parenthood, support what we do, believe in uh, women having access to reproductive health care. Unfortunately, um, the small minority that doesn't are disproportionately represented in Congress right now. Mm-hmm. And also online. Okay. And online, it and gets, online. Yeah, I no, see, it's ugly. I, I oh, see yeah, it's, so much oh, yeah, ugly it's stuff. Ugly. It's amazing. It is ugly. How do you online. deal with that? I mean, I know, I don't I know if you know, sections. her mother yeah. is Ann Richards, who is governor of Texas. Your yeah. daughter works for Kamala Harris. I, I'm assuming you know tough, know how to deal with tough. Yeah, But yeah. how do you do that? Like, you get an onslaught. I don't read the comment sections, and... Um, I like to follow those videos of like goats in sweaters and then like dancing around. And I mean, I try to do other things online besides read the nasty comments. All right. And you know, goats doing yoga now with on people's backs. I do not, Cecile, but thank you so much. I'm going to send you some, yeah, there's just some therapy that you could. All right, so vasectomy day and goats in sweaters. Fantastic. I'm telling you. All right, questions from the audience, please. This is my niece. Hi. (laughs) Oh, really? Um, Yeah, yeah. she is. She needs some. Planned Parenthood advice, but go ahead. We don't have to do it right on stage. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm a college student, and I'm involved with the Planned Parenthood Club in my school. And within that club, there's only one male participant, and I'm pretty sure he's only there because his girlfriend's one of the leaders of the club. Hey, um, that works. So in any case, the men I know, and especially young men, seem very intimidated and shy about educating themselves and becoming involved um, and advocates for women's reproductive rights. And I'm wondering if you think this is a problem and if it is, how it should be addressed. Yeah, that's an excellent question. What's your name? I'm Kate. Kate, Kate good to see you. All she wants to do is work for you. Great, okay, I'll see you later. That's fantastic. Um, Well, it's great that you've got a guy in in your club there. Um, It kind of reminds me of my son Daniel, which I just have to always embarrass him when I'm on something where we're live streamed. Uh, Because when he went to college, he was the... um, he was the chair of his uh, fraternity, uh, social chair of the fraternity, and the vice president of the reproductive rights group on campus. So he kind of got, he like covered all the all the bases, yeah. and uh, um, and definitely knew every woman in in uh, yeah. in Allegheny um, College. But I uh, I do think it's important that men are part of this, and I actually feel like generationally it is changing. Uh, one of the things that I saw, I went to the women's marches. I don't know if any of you all did, but Ooh. they were like unbelievable. And the, to me, the, there were many interesting things. One is that they weren't just, it wasn't just a march in Washington. It was you know, 10,000 people in Salt Lake City, Utah, and biggest march, I think, ever in the history of Texas. Uh, but the fact that there were so many men in participating, and that was fathers and grandfathers and brothers and sons, because I do believe we are hitting a tipping point in this country where... Um, men want their daughters to have every opportunity that their sons have. And that means being able to control their bodies and make decisions about their future. And so that to me is a, I, I just feel like I have seen that in the, in the last 10 years. And that's, that's exciting. So I think we have to do a better job of, of um, inviting them in to be part of something because there is no way we are going to win these battles long-term only with women. So uh, I think reach out to men. And what we're trying to do at Planned Parenthood is we have tons of men that are activists now, young men. Uh, We've got to make it a welcoming place. We've got to offer more services for men uh, and uh, and lift their voices up because it isn't, again, these are not women's issues. One of the interesting things, too, in terms of expanding our services, not only to men, but we now provide transgender care in a number of states. 
because the same issues that women faced, you know, in whatever ought one or whenever we started, in terms of being able to just go to someone and you could talk to about your body and your care, uh, are the same issues that transgender patients face, and we're really proud to be expanding um, those services and making this about sexual rights and health for everybody, not Good just point. for women. Hi, I met your mom a few times, and she's a national treasure. So Thank I'm so you. Sorry. Thank you very much. Um, uh, you. So, since your non-abortion services are thirty times larger than your abortion services, uh, why don't you spin off the abortion services into a separate entity, five hundred one c three? I'm sure there are lots of people who'd like to fund it and therefore preserve the ninety-seven percent. So, um, it's it's interesting question and. First, there are some states where we've had to really separate out, and it hasn't changed the political attack, so it wouldn't, I don't think it would uh, make a difference in that way, just practically speaking. And the other is that, um, as I think we all know, is that abortion has been a right in this country for more than 40 years, but it's still incredibly stigmatized. And we are committed at Planned Parenthood to make sure that women, no matter their geography, their income, their whatever background can get access to their full range of reproductive health care without um, being shamed. And that means providing safe and legal abortion everywhere. Uh, and I, so I think, and I'm, I'm encouraged because I feel like we are now seeing more women being public about the fact that that was a decision they made and if they, they feel like they can say that. Because we are not going to change the politics, I believe, in this country until we change the culture around women's reproductive rights. Okay, very quick, 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 quick. Hi, uh, Megan Smith, former quick, USCTO. Um, one of the things that's interesting to me as a technical person, and you and I have talked about this, is uh, the lack of focus on this issue from a technical perspective. And a really uh, striking example is when Apple, who I love, you know, I worked for them in one of my first jobs, when they shipped HealthKit. It didn't have women's reproductivity in the entire product. Yeah. And the irony that none of the people making it would have been born mm. had there not been women's reproductivity uh, is right. amazing, right? And so I think there's such a wonderful opportunity in my interview. You guys have talked some about tech, but and we've been in touch with the XPRIZE Foundation. Is there a moonshot here, like the cancer moonshot, that might be a dual moonshot? Mm. That's really, how do we take abortion off the table in some ways, not only make it available as it should be, but also make it less prevalent because we've invented our way out of needing it, okay. uh, as well as the second part of that, which is really advance the distribution of of what already works, and really drive for that at the level we are driving self-driving self -car, self cars, you know, at that elite tech level, yep. and pay attention at that level. No, absolutely. I, look, I think we could do so much more, even though we've now are at a 30-year low for unintended pregnancy in the U.S., I mean, we got a long way to go, and I think there's all kinds of cool stuff that's happening. We just actually did the clinical trials for a self-injectable um, contraceptive that lasts three months. So can you imagine as, you know, whether you're in sub-Saharan Africa or you're in uh, Kentucky, being able to get a year's supply of birth control that you can, you can use at home and then making it available for everybody everywhere immediately. These are the kind of things that if we could get politics out of the, the way, there's all kinds of things we could do. I think we could actually basically end cervical cancer in this, in this country if we could just focus on getting people healthy and getting them the health care that we need. So it is enormously frustrating, and now I'll sort of do my Kamala here. I mean, like, it is unbelievably frustrating that things we know we could solve that would make people's lives better, not just women's lives better, family lives better, uh, this, the, the economy better, we are spending less of our time on that because we're having to you know, fight ridiculous battles in Congress. So, 
Anyway. Super, super great. Last question, and really quick, because we have to go. Hi, Cecile. The, um, the Buffett Foundation found, uh, funded that amazing program in Colorado, giving away free long-term birth control and drastically lowering teen abortion rates, teen unintended pregnancy Everything. rates. Yep. Are there other programs like that where folks are, are doing that? Yeah, I that love that, and I'll, I will. I know we're, I know we're talking. We'll make it. No, this is an incredible thing. So this, the, the, it was happened, and we did. There was a project in Missouri. There was a project in Colorado. Basically, the bottom line on this is, if women have access to no-cost birth control, they don't get pregnant when they don't want to be. Shocking. Um, <laughs> and that is essentially what we replicated in the Affordable Care Act. So right now, 55 million women in this country under their insurance plans can get no-cost birth control, and we're seeing it immediately having an effect. So in a way, what the foundation did and those early trials led to, and it was a pitch battle to get that passed, but it did, that is why it's so stunning to me and why I hope all of you will make, you know, sort of make noise that this administration would think about going back and undoing what is a win for everybody. I mean, and look, this is not a Republican issue, a Democratic issue. It's a nonpartisan issue. Uh, and I haven't met a parent yet that doesn't want to help their young person stay healthy and safe, uh, not, get an, not, not get an STI, and not get pregnant before they're ready to have a family. So this is something I think we can all, you know, across every line, get behind. All right. You see why I wanted to have Cecile? Thank you. Hey, thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. Remember to check out our other podcast, Recode Replay, for more interviews from the 2017 Code Conference. And we have more live events coming up. Code Commerce is September 13th and 14th in New York City. And the Code Media Conference is February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. You can find details about both those at events.recode.net.